So hello and welcome to episode 21 of the Saladcast for this season with myself, Glenn Price, and I'm joined as usual on a Sunday night by Ollie Warner. How are you, my friend? Yes, I'm good, thanks, Glenn. Good, good. It's been a bit of a weird week, isn't it? We've had one game, but that's obviously not the only news there's been. We had uh, our first Q&A with Sam Ricketts this week, Ollie, so um, yeah, I think there's probably just as much <laughs> news and, and discussion came out of the Q&A really than the game yesterday, which was quite exciting, to be fair. Yeah, I haven't watched it all back. I've lit watched a third back online, um, so yeah, I've got that to finish. But yeah, there's a few interesting tidbits that I saw, which I've put in the agenda, which and I see you've added to it as well. So we can share those fans that didn't go or um, haven't had the time to uh, watch the full video because it is available by the club. Club made the whole hour available online. Yeah. So if you want to have a look there, but yeah, we'll share the kind of highlights on here as well. Yeah, it's good. It was it was an hour, and then obviously radio shops were stopped recording, and fans were able to ask maybe a few more uh, questions that sort of the club wouldn't probably want to go out on uh, on. Radio Shropshire. So yeah, it was, an, it was an interesting night to be fair. And um, yeah, it's interesting. We're recording another early podcast on a Sunday night because uh, I'm once again <laughs> been out and had a late night, Ollie. It's becoming a bit of a theme on the podcast, this really, isn't it? Which is a bit of a shame. <laughs> yeah, you're lager out in. <laughs> Unfortunately, I wasn't drinking last night. It was my wife's 40th birthday and um, we threw a surprise party at the, the Bagley Sports and Social Club um, in Greenfields, which is run by um, one, one of the town fans that goes, goes regularly to games. He used to own the Brooklyn's and the... Um, the what's it called the Charles Darwin so he's now he's now got that property but yeah fair play for, for me organising a party fantastic venue for anything like that we had over 100 odd people in there and food and disco and party it was, it was a great night so yeah right, there you go my recommendation if anyone's organising parties be that a surprise party or not is to um yeah, check out the Bagley Sports Social Club. It's always good really to support someone that's a, a big town fan I think when you're, when you're living in town so yeah it's been, it's been a nice night Cool, yeah, cool. And I guess my new news is obviously I've got a mic now rather than using a headset, so we'll see how that one works through. Yeah, big progress. And we've been doing some tests, haven't we? Your audio sounds a little bit crisper than before, so yeah, it should make editing it a bit easier. Um, hopefully it means it's a bit easier for everyone to listen to as well. Um, so yeah, it's only taken us 100 episodes to get that point, Holly, but we got there in the end. So yeah, it's it's, it's good. I think... Um, you know, obviously the game yesterday, uh, Shrewsbury Peterborough two two is it's going to be an interesting one to discuss in it, Ollie. So uh, we'll move straight on to that now. Uh, the goal scorer there. And it's a, oh, it's a goal! Mistake with the keeper, hammers it clear, and it's hit the time man on the back. It's Mangan, and it's ricocheted into the back of the net. It's a howler from an accident point of view. Mangan won't mind though. Cool. So um, the um, score was two two, Shrewsbury two, Peterborough two. Um, attendance was quite low, not a great turnout from Peterborough fans, and we were down just just under five thousand four hundred, which is which is low um, for a Saturday game. Um, I think the cold weather um, pulled a few away, um, and maybe a bit of Christmas <laughs> shopping. But I think the cold weather had an impact there. Are you having a go at any anyone particular there, Ollie? Because I know someone the cold weather definitely put off. <laughs> I, I don't know anyone that didn't go more but my friends attended. There was a space next to me, wasn't there, Ollie? Someone you usually usually see at the football. My brother, uh, to be fair to him, he'd had his Christmas party on the Friday night and um, he'd been around our house and given my, my wife some presents and stuff during the day. And I was getting off to the game and I was like thinking he was going to come with me and he just gave me a look, a withering look like... It's a bit cold, Glenn. I was like, I've never known my brother miss a game for the weather. So, yeah, he didn't come. Um, and to be fair, you say you look at the crowd, there was 5,300 there, wasn't there, supposedly. But I think a lot of people did give it a miss because of the weather. And it's fair, fair enough to say that it did have an effect on the game because it was god-awful, the weather. It wasn't just windy, but the rain and the combination of the cold as well, it, it just felt... It was the wind, oof. the feel, the real feel factor was was incredibly low. Yes. Uh, it was freezing. I think um, it's a bit of chatter online. I think it was actually the coldest game we've ever had at the Meadow because of the... Combination. Combination of the wind and the temperature. That's what I. That's the new ground. That's yeah. my recollection. Yeah. Possibly. Possibly. Yeah. Still wasn't as cold as Scunthorpe away last season. I was saying that. To, <laughs> saying that to a few people yesterday. We weren't quite in those uh, those levels of, of frozen wastelands. But yeah, it's a shame really that you know the weather gets that bad at this time of year. It does put a few of our regular fans off from from going. But it's fair enough. I think that you've got to you've got to look after your health at this time of the year, Christmas and everything. So yeah, there we go. So I braved it and and got up there in, in the rain and and the wind and uh, sat in my seat and it was so bad it was blowing into the seats where we are even at you know where we sit you know almost near the back of that stand doesn't it but got in there and uh, so yeah I suppose we'll just go through your stats really Ollie. there was a few interesting ones throughout the game wasn't there yeah good one for Faye so obviously one of the challenges that Faye had was that he was scoring goals in the Cups but now he scored in five consecutive um, five consecutive league goals in five consecutive games yes um, so that's really encouraging I think it's always good for a striker if they can score consistently um, for me, it's always kind of devalues their total when you know they're kind of like you know trap flat bullies or you know they score a couple of goals when you're winning you know, by a higher margin already. But yeah, Faye continuing to to score um, important goals. Um, 
Peterborough coming into this game had, were unbeaten in nine in all competitions. Yeah, so they're coming on a rich vein of form. And our record against Peterborough is pretty pretty poor. Um, we've we've only beaten them <laughs> once in the last ten games now. So we don't have the best record against Peterborough. And um, they're normally a good side um, and they're a good team again um, this season. Yeah, I think that's fair to say. They looked good when I went there, saw them in the home game, and I went to the away game last year. They looked like a solid team. They, they certainly looked like a solid team again uh, on the on the basis yesterday. It's funny. They've had, the other interesting stat I saw was that's their second two-two draw in a row. Uh, sorry, third second. Yeah, the other interesting stat I saw, Ollie, was that's their third 2-2 draw in a row. So they're obviously being involved in lots of high-scoring games at the moment. So it's probably been quite an interesting few weeks for them. But um, yeah, the other one about Faye in terms of stats, Ollie, is the stat I was looking at, is that he's now got um, 10 goals for the season in all competitions. Sorry, 11 goals um, in all competitions now. Um, And... Not many people get that many goals for Shrewsbury over the course of a season, and and you know he's actually sort of going up the list of strikers who've scored you know a decent amount of goals in a season, even though he's got to eleven. And so you know he's only he's only got sort of I think it's now looking at some stats on my website now. There's only fifteen players have scored more goals than him across a whole season, and obviously we've only played half a season now. Um, but only fifteen players have scored more than that in, since we came back from the conference, so two thousand two, two thousand three. So he's got a very good opportunity to get right up into sort of the top three or four scorers that we've had in in a Shrewsbury team in, in you know living memory really so he's only got to get up to I think it's 15 goals in all competitions in a season which is obviously not that many more um, and he goes above Hibbert into fourth place so the only two players above him there would be Holt and Collins so he's got a really really good chance to leave a little bit of an impression this season hasn't he? He has <laughs> it just proves that we just we haven't got much of a record of goal scorers <laughs> we really <laughs> which don't is obviously, yeah we don't we, just don't we never seem to have a a, a, a you know a big goal scorer even like you know under the se- good seasons under um, Mickey Mellon good seasons under Turner it was always a collective effort wasn't it yeah um, yeah and I guess that that's fine I guess you know you think back to some of the great Man United teams you know they didn't always have a prolific goal scorer sometimes they had a, a contribution of lots of players but you know I think everyone loves having a proper striker that's always a threat <sighs> because good. especially when you're away from home um, and you you know it's, it's a tough game having that striker always gives you that bit of hope. Yeah, it's interesting that you look at the top 10 on that list that he's got to kind of break into now and he's only two behind um, sort of Colin Cram, 2004-2005 uh, with 13. Michael Symes is ninth with uh, 13 in 2006-07. Ben Davis got 13 in 2008-2009. And then seventh is uh, Wright with uh, 14. Sixth is Payne, 14. Um, fifth is Rogers. Um, and that goes back to 2004-2005. So he's, he's obviously kind of getting on the tails of those seasons. And I remember all of those seasons thinking, God, they were probably right up there for player of the season. So as I say, he doesn't need many more to be in contention for that sort of thing. But it's, it's fantastic, really, to see it happening. And it's something you know that we haven't been able to get that excited about for quite a while now. So, yeah, happy days, really, in terms of strikers. But there was a lot more that went on than just the goals he scored, wasn't there? Yeah, no, there was. So in terms of the team, he was joined up front by Holloway. And we had the midfield diamond again with Grant, Doherty, Norburn and Laurent. Um, and then the back four was the same again, Bolton um, keeping his place. So the people might have thought that maybe Emmanuel might have got a start, but Bolton's managed to keep that place for himself. Yeah, it's interesting. One of the one of the things we had happen this week is the guy from the Scunthorpe fanzine uh, sort of contacted us to get some 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 questions and stuff. And sorry, that was before we played Scunthorpe a couple of weeks ago. And then he sort of stayed in contact and he dropped us a message this week saying there's big rumours that Scunthorpe were interested in, or, or he'd heard rumours from the insides of his club that they were going to be signing Emmanuel in January. Which I don't know. You can, you're not going to you know hang your hat on anything like that but it is interesting that he's suddenly been dropped or rotated out of the team um, since Askey left and, and suddenly you know another club's asking us questions about a player they're thinking that they're going to sign you know as, as far as I'm aware he's, he's the same as Doherty he's on this 12 month contract that does have a 6 month split so in January either club I think can, can terminate the loan so you know whether with, whether he gets recalled to go somewhere else or, or whether we terminate it's interesting but um, I do like Emmanuel I think he's a solid player and I think he's unlucky not to be playing to be honest with you Ollie. Yeah Bolton's doing well as well so yeah. I can see why he's keeping that place so um, but yeah, jumping into the action, um, it didn't take too long, did it, for um, for us to be out of our seats? Um, <laughs> yeah. So we all sat down. I was absolutely freezing. I didn't have Phil to meet him. All right, he was he was away on like a small holiday, um, and the wind was coming right across. <laughs> I was absolutely freezing. But yeah, it didn't take long for us to jump up um, because Doherty scored after two minutes. Um, Norburn was on the kind of left hand side and finds Doherty in the pocket and in front of the penalty area. Um, he takes his time to steady himself and fires into the bottom right-hand corner, his favourite right corner, where he scored a few goals um, in front of the way end in that bottom corner now. Um, and a question for you, Glenn: do you think it was like the power of the shot or do you think there was like a bit of a bounce that kind of tripped the keeper? Because I was quite surprised that it went in the back of the net. 
Yeah, I, it looked like a Rick. It's a complete run out of goalkeeping error to me. I mean, I, I've had a busy week, weekend, obviously, with my wife's party and late nights and, and obviously uh, other things going on today. So I've not actually seen the replay back. But my initial reaction on the day was good long shot. It, to me, it looked like I was going wide, you know, when he hit it. It didn't, didn't you know, I was sort of, you're almost turning away really thinking, oh, good effort, but it's gone wide. Um, suddenly the keeper's down there and it, it just seems to, from, from what I can remember on the day, it seemed to squeeze under his hand. So to me, it went down as a goalkeeper error. But obviously the good thing about Doherty um, for me is that he does keep having shots similar to a Norburn and every now and again we are getting a bit lucky or one of them's finding the back of the net and you know there's there's maybe that from last season where we did sort of not have too many shots or we kind of held the ball a little bit and really played ourselves into nice positions we do like having a long shot this season and it's nice that one of them's actually paid off and might have took a mistake but it was what we needed to start the game really yeah there's long shots that we were criticizing at the start of the season and now uh, you know on target yes um, that's a, a big difference actually as well but yeah yeah, and we were shooting, and we did it. Still happened quite a bit this weekend, where we were having shots and they were blocked. But yeah, great to see them scoring, and something that the, the manager has been mentioned quite a few times in interviews that he's encouraging players to shoot. It's obviously something that he sees as an area for improvement. Yeah, it was fantastic. That, you know, as you say, the weather was so bad; it really did get people up and cheering, and you kind of needed that sort of little boost. And um, yeah, it was it was a good good thing. And I thought that's it; that can be a platform to build on today. You know, we did, we hadn't really seen too much of Peterborough at that stage because it was so early, so we didn't really know what kind of Peterborough turned up um they'd obviously played extra time in the week ollie um in their cup replay um they went they won on penalties in the end i think and um so they'd had a lot of games in them so i was thinking yeah let's get the first goal you know they're probably going to tire towards the second half so get the first goal stay ahead and, and let's 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 impose our game on it really but it wasn't to be really was it because as soon as our goal went in really the game kind of it did open up a little bit and um you know obviously it wasn't too long until they got back in it which was a shame but i, I was quite positive when we when we obviously got the first goal yeah, I thought finally we might be able to get you know that that win, um, that first win for Sam Ricketts in the league, um, and also I thought maybe we'd yeah, be able to beat a decent side. But yep. Peterborough looked like a threat. Obviously, we knew of their strikers; they scored twenty five goals now, twenty six goals between them this season. Um, coming into the game, that it was twenty five, and yeah, it was it was a it was a it was a decent goal as such from them. It was I don't know got a, a bit of element of luck potentially yeah. or poor defending from Shrewsbury so Madison who's their right winger gets the ball he crosses the ball it takes a slight deflection off Beckles um, and then Waterford can't keep up with Godden who kind of goes forward and I don't know whether he kind of touched it or scuffed it or whatever but it went under Arnold into the back of the net um, for, his, for his 11th goal of the season in the league um, so that was that was obviously good, good for them to get back in the game and yeah, I don't know. It was a. It does seem a bit frustrating. The central defenders were seemed to be a little bit lost. What Sadler was kind of stranded in the middle, and Waterfall came behind him, and neither of none of our players were able to stop the ball going to the back of the net. No, I think Waterfall probably obviously the most culpable as he got the closest, but didn't really do enough. And um, good play by the forward, you know, to try and you know nip in there and, and get ahead of get ahead of Waterfall, which is probably not too difficult at times. And you've got to give Peterborough striker credit for that. But it was, a, it was a clever poacher's goal, really, for me, that one, more than anything. Yeah, and a good ball from Madison as well. He clearly saw his run. He tried to put the ball behind it. Um, so that was a really good cross from him. And yeah, it shows what a good player he is. Yeah, um, he, yeah he's also game, a big moaning bastard, wasn't he? <laughs> he did like to complain a little bit, but um, sometimes that's good to have that on your side, isn't it? Yeah, um, I mean, it was it was a sort of goal from a man that scored eleven goals this season. Only wasn't it? You can tell he was in form, knew where the back yeah. of the net was. It was quite an instinctive finish. Um, I think there is there is a there is a fault to be blamed with Waterfall and potentially Arnold because he obviously came off his line a little bit and maybe got stuck a little bit in no man's land. But um, you know, I, I don't want to be too harsh on, on players really. Sometimes as, as uh, you can be when it's really bad, but I think a lot of the credit goes to the striker more than the, the defensive the errors. Really, yeah, good ball and good. good run um but the game didn't end there you know in terms of like chances this was there's a lot of chances in this game or like half chances so Beckles had a shot and there's a claim for handball at this point um obviously it was a bit far away from us I didn't really yeah. say anything in real time but no, not me. there was a bit of a call from the fans for that um Tony had a header um in the six yard box who went straight to Arnold which he really should have scored from I, I, yeah, he got a lot of grief again, didn't he, Tony? As yeah. he always does when he comes here, and rightly so, because again, I thought you know, in, in, a, in a better performance from him, he probably would have helped them win the game because he, he occupies centre backs, but he doesn't really offer much of a goal for it every time I see him play. And then the next week he'll score three, or the next week he'll get two. So I don't quite know why when he's played us in in recent week, recent games, maybe the, the way the crowd are being with him is slightly getting to him. And um, well, yeah, I guess I don't for, know. for me, this sums up. One, why um, Newcastle signed him, because he is a threat. Hmm? And then secondly, why he played in League One, because he's inconsistent. Um, 
But interesting, I was chatting to someone at work who's from Northampton, and he was talking about, oh, you're playing, Ivan Tony were playing against you this weekend. And he knows, he actually knows Ivan Tony. And I said, well, it's, it's about time he kind of makes a claim. But we were chatting about how, um, he's a Spurs fan, and we were chatting about how, you know, the, the bigger clubs just kind of hoover up all these strikers now, just yeah. in case they are the next Vardy. You know, Ladipo, you know, he's went to Crystal Palace. Um, so, yeah, I think I think Tony's a League One striker, isn't he? And, you know, he is. he's... He scores a good number of goals, but yeah, like like many League One players, he's a bit inconsistent. He didn't help himself with our fans for the future, even though I don't think there's really any way back with him. When after they scored the first goal, and obviously Madison ran across to celebrate down in the corner, and he was given cup in his ear to the Shrewsbury fans. I was like, mate, you can only really do that when you've scored the goal. You can't do it when you when your teammate has. So I thought that was a bit of a bit of a piss take, really, to ask me. But I'm sure we'll we'll you run into him. him. No, you can't, I suppose. But um, I don't know. I he got. I would only do it if I scored, to be honest with you. Yeah. But yeah, I'm sure we'll run into Ivan Tony many many times going forward because I don't think he's going to really escalate himself above this level for a while so as long as we no. stay there that'll be fine but yeah yeah that was it was a big miss actually yeah and then and then kind of there's again a couple more chances for Shrewsbury Lauren um, had a strike say from the keeper um, Holloway does some nice keepy uppies in the centre circle the ball comes through to Doherty who absolutely storms forward has another shot which is blocked and then Norburn had a shot saved by the keeper and that was a really good save and decent effort from Norburn yeah, Doggerty's running with the ball was fantastic again, wasn't it? You know, it, it, we, we discussed in the podcast a few weeks back, didn't I, where I kept saying, I don't know why when we're chasing games, Doggerty's the one that goes off. And to me, it was the perform- this performance on Saturday was one of those things I was trying to make my point about the other week, Ollie, because he can get the ball and run at players and it does offer like a direct threat. So, um, you know, maybe there are situations where it's not relevant and not particularly useful, but I, I, I thought he was fantastic in terms of the drive he gave us again on Saturday. Yeah, and it's interesting, actually, someone was talking, didn't they? Um, someone asked um, Sam Ricketts on the Q&A, about why don't we don't cross more balls into the box? Okay. And I think this game kind of sums up why we don't. It's because we could actually we're actually really effective at scoring goals through the middle, mm. um, which is not your classic, you know, lower league traditional four four two style of playing. But when you've got someone like Doherty who can play sublime through balls and shoot from distance um, yeah scoring through the middle is certainly working for us at the moment yep it definitely is there was a funny thing at the Q&A actually somebody asked a question about why we why we don't get it you know why we don't have more width and get it out to our wide players and everyone's sitting there thinking we don't play with wingers mate <laughs> well I think, I think, pretty, I think we're referring difficult. to the same the same conversation the same question but yeah it was, <laughs> I think it was. It was, was quite interesting a couple of sniggers but um, there yeah. we go um, and yeah and, and you know I suppose that was really, in terms of good chances obviously it was the, the ones you just mentioned there but the overall half I thought was I, I want to say, from my viewing of the game, the second half was probably the more entertaining and, and uh, open half, I think. There was quite a few bits in the first half where the wind was blowing and the, and the game was attritional. And I thought the referee, who we'll probably come to in the second half, but he gave a free kick for it pretty much every little fall. Um, and not just Gunthorpe. Oh, the, the, the most annoying ones is players can go behind another player about being exactly. a foul. Yes, that's the one he did it constantly throughout the game. You know, you didn't even, you didn't have to stand behind the guy with the player with the ball, and he gave a free kick all the time. It was quite tiring. The referee, obviously, the last end of the game, obviously caused a lot of controversy. If, if it wasn't for that, we probably wouldn't have spoken about him too much. But he's these kind of like very pernickety kind of referee, a bit like the referee at Burton, that just really slowed the game down. And it was quite an entertaining game of football, and it wasn't dirty, it wasn't any needle in it. And for me, just some of these little fouls just just are unnecessary broke the flow of the game up though didn't it and it, it was at times where it just made it a little bit harder to watch but um i don't know it was it was interesting we had we we had a few free kicks as well in the first half there's one i've just remembered that uh, we hadn't put in the agenda but it was doherty had a, a free kick which he put in and curved it right in front of sort of the attacking players and it was one of those ones again that just needed a little touch and oh yeah that was yeah. a good effort that was, and again yeah. you know it does again prove to me that even if wally hadn't got injured later on and and probably he's going to be out for a while again but Doherty should stay on all corners and set yeah, pieces he he's got much better quality well it just shows you Glenn, that that wasn't in the extended highlights no, that's why it's not no. in the agenda and that just shows how many chances there really was in that in that, in that half yeah I'd say though and I, I still maintain the second half was a slightly more entertaining half but um, there we go and half time it just took that half seemed to take a long time partly because I was absolutely freezing um, <laughs> and I went down at half time to try and get a drink and I, I sometimes I go down a bit later just to kind of miss the cues and I queued up for about, I don't know, five, five, six, seven minutes. And the queue didn't move at all. So I just kind of gave up. Um, and considering it was quite a low attendance, again, like, it's not to want to whinge too much, but they just, like, on a, on a day like that, you want to get yourself a cup of tea or coffee. And no one was being served. I, I don't know. It's just a bit frustrating, the same old problems it, uh, we have. I think it's right to point that out, Ollie, on a day like uh, Saturday, because of the weather. Because I never go into the buffets or under the under the concourse at half time, never do it. 
Um, and I, I was so cold like you. I thought, you've got to just get out of the wind for 15 minutes. You know I mean, even if you can just yeah. stay in the concourse and, you know, share a bit of body warmth with everyone else that's down there. And I, I very rarely go down there. But to be honest with you, I thought we'll sit and watch the, the scores on the football. So we went up the, sta- the side of the West Stand that's nearest the away fans. None of the TVs down that end were working. So we were like, oh, well, we'll go down the other end. Went down there. The ones by the buffet were all working, which is why everyone's congregated around there. And it's so busy. And down the other end, only one of them was working again. And so I think there's just a few things where maybe the club are not aware of that. And I sent the club a message this week saying, look, the TVs in the West End are broken again. It's, it's not helping with the congestion issues at the buffet. It's one of the things that causes more problems than anything. So hopefully they, they can get them fixed over the, the course of this next couple of weeks. And so when we've got Christmas crowds coming in and stuff, that just makes things a little bit easier. But even I had to get out of the wind and... Um, it didn't feel much warmer in those concourses, to be honest with you, Ollie. <laughs> no, I went for a bit of a walk as well to stretch my legs, but yeah, I think I have to get the old flask out, oh. old man flask out. Whiskey. But, yeah, <laughs> I don't think that's going to help my driving home. Um, so, yes, anything else on half-time, kind of second half, kind of kicked on no, the right? No, my, my only other observation of the of the first half was I wondered how many players would go out and play in gloves, and I had a good estimate of, um, I thought, eight. I reckon between the, the 22 players, I'll be, well, the, 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 not the keepers, obviously, they will be wearing gloves anyway, but I thought there'll be eight with players of gloves out there. There was actually only five, so quite a, hard, quite a hardy bunch. No, there obviously was quite a few... Quite a few town players didn't have gloves. I think Peterborough had more of them, didn't they? They did. They had Laurent and, and Faye were the only ones who had our gloves on on our side that I could see. So there we go. We're a bit, we're a bit more hardcore. <laughs> um, cool, yeah. So kind of second half highlights. Um, there was a kind of the real big highlight, start of the highlight, sorry, in the second half was um, their big left back. It was quite a bit of a unit. Had an absolute thunderstrike um, from quite a bit of distance, um, which was um, which was saved by Arnold. Um, so that was quite good. Um, and then the the kind of the highlight there wasn't like a lot of highlights in this half. It took quite a while for the next one to come up, and that was um, the second goal for Shrewsbury. Class. And which I have to say is just an absolute class ball. And again, Doherty gets the ball, drifts in field into more of a central role again. Um, he finds Fay on the run, who's kind of run off from his central defender and timed it perfectly because their central defenders were at an angle to each other. They were flat so really poor defending from Peterborough's perspective um, he rounds the goalkeeper and his goalkeeper comes flying out and of the craziest angles like of, you know if you're in the press box obviously those guys have had an even better view of it puts the ball in the back of the net I couldn't believe that he got it in there and yeah. everyone absolutely mental and yeah super fey um, on, 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 on target again on fire, frankly, to be honest with you, at the way he's playing at the moment. And yeah, I mean, I, I was, I sort of hyperbolically, as usual, tweeted about the goal straight away and just said, it's class, absolute class that is. And um, yeah, just just a brilliant finish. But, you know, in terms of, of another clinical striker's finish, there's not been, you know, too many better than that over the last few years down at the Meadow for me. Um, it takes a lot of composure to, to not only do the first bit, which is take the ball, beat the keeper, and then just to sort of nonchalantly, casually roll it home like he did. Just just really, really good football and really, really good finishing. And as I say, we, we previously talked about Faye in the intro to this podcast because we are starting to get excited about him as a player. Um and it does make you wonder in the summer whether we'll just, if he does a really good season and he's only on a two-year deal, whether we'll have to cash in on him in the summer. You already start to worry about that as a club like Shrewsbury, don't you? But yeah, br- brilliant finish, brilliant goal all round. And, um, you know, it was, it'd been a bit ebb and flow the game, so it was nice for us to get back ahead. You weren't, you know, you weren't 100% feeling like that would be enough. But um, yeah, it was, it was a really good moment and uh, yeah, well, well deserved, I thought, really. Yeah, what came to mind at me for this goal is um, in the pre-match um, kind of um, preparation, um, the manager was talking about how and what a calm finisher he is. And it's interesting when he puts the ball in the back of the net. No, the ball isn't doesn't go in the back of the net with a, a great deal of pace. Um, it's just enough. Um, and I'm saying it was like you know it trickled in, but you know it went in a, a fairly slow pace. But it's about the accuracy. Yes. Um, and he's such a calm finisher. Um, so yeah, that's fantastic for him. His accuracy is is a very very good point about him. He, he always just wants to get it on target, doesn't he? Every time. And- yeah. You know, it's a simple thing, simple mass for a striker, isn't it? The more shots you can get on target, the more chance you are of scoring. So, yeah, I thought it was really good. And, um, yeah, we, we tried to sort of push on from there a little bit, didn't we? But we, you've got to give Peterborough credit. They really did have a go at us as well at times and became a bit to and fro. And then it was, I just felt the game opened up a little bit, um, probably even before our goal, really. That second half was much more open and um, the, the quality of the game improved a little bit from the first half, I think. Yeah, the wind definitely went down yes, from the first half. The wind sure. was definitely stronger, um, and it was obviously gave the goalkeeper um, a bit of a challenge, kind of kicking his balls forward. But the wind did drop down, which was good for us. Um, there was a nice highlight, and we could have taken, we could have gone three one up. Um, Doherty did a stormy run down the right, and he's one of those deceptive players. Doherty he's faster than you think he is, and sometimes he takes on a man. He's like, oh, don't do it, and then he somehow he gets on the other side of him. Um, and he put a ball into the box. Um, Faye had a bit of a tame effort at the goalkeeper, um, which was a bit of a shame. Um, but again, um, again, attack and a threat of Doherty and Faye again combining. 
Yeah, they, they really dovetail quite nicely, Doctor and Fair, as well, with their directness, as opposed to, say, the Holloway that, you know, liked to sort of do his role of holding the ball up as much as, as he could, really, in the game. He sometimes wasn't as quite as dynamic in those attacking positions beyond where he took his first position up. But, um, yeah, I like, I like the way they dovetail together sometimes, those two. And I thought Norburn kind of interjected himself as much as he could. Same with Laurent. Um, but it definitely Doherty was the one that was getting up there the most. But um, it wasn't my... It, it was There was another highlight in the second half that was just highlighted for how comical it was. And I tweeted at the time, this, this is something we'll be talking about in 15 years time but do you want to describe Luke Waterfall's free kick in the second half <laughs> or do you not even I remember it, it Glenn. I, I remember it I remember <laughs> it you can I, do it anyone who was there remember it yeah we had a free kick out on the right hand side and uh, everyone sort of trundled forward or a couple of you know looking for the ball into the box really and suddenly Luke Waterfall's there ready to take it and he runs up to the ball takes a big swing and he plays it I think the wind probably had an effect, so it's wind probably definitely had an being a bit harsh, but it just swang out and like basically bounced into the home dugout, and uh, <laughs> Sam Ricketts was standing there with his arms folded, and he must have thought, probably probably get him off the free kicks next time, to be honest with you, but yeah, oh, it was it was quite funny, wasn't it, to be fair, and um, you know... It was funny, talk- but definitely with the wind, I think. <laughs> I think we've got to be a less harsh than we would normally be on it, and um, yeah, yeah it, was, it, was, it was just amusing, to be honest with you, but uh, yeah, there we go, that was one of my highlights, really. <laughs> Yeah, um, and then as you say, the game had both ways. It was to and fro, and um, so the low drive from Madison being a threat again went out for a corner from say from Arnold. Yeah, good and that. Wally came on and was a bit of a threat running centrally. Um, Not for long, central though. kind of winger. Yeah, he was. Yeah, unfortunately, um, he crossed the ball, but but no one was really there. Uh, Salah keep possession, and then Doherty had another shot and went for a corner, which was a bit of a bit a bit of a frustration actually, and something that the manager points to. We'll come to later, um, where you know we kind of got into the into the into the final third and didn't quite make take advantage of the you know the space that we're in. No, yeah, well, looking back, a third um, goal was needed to kill them off, wasn't it? Really, and um, yeah, we had a couple of half was. chances, but we just couldn't take them, could we? Really? No, and then um, then they had possibly arguably the best chance of the game so great counter attack from them really really nice piece of football um ball comes into the into the box and then Godden, who's obviously probably the one of the best strikers in the league hits the crossbar from a meter out and for Unreal. that was a massive massive let off that was a you know if we, if we were complaining about luck that was a huge strike of luck there it was, and I felt from just before that moment for the rest of the game, you know, as much as the game would open and it was it was even. I think from the bit where Wally came on, then got injured, and and this chance was roughly around that time. I think Peterborough had the better of the rest of the game. So you know, even though they missed that chance, I'd felt like you know we were really just trying to keep them out for the rest of the game. Really, but I I couldn't believe he missed that chance, and you know, obviously he's having a really really good season as well. So um, we certainly got lucky there, and that that should have been a goal. Really, there's nothing Arnold could have ever done to have kept Tanafi to put it on target. Um, so yeah, we really did escape escape there. Yeah, and he, it was quite funny because the player was just in absolute shock. He couldn't believe it. It's it just shows, you know, a, a striker, um, you know, a player in form or a good player when he, when he missed something like that. He just literally couldn't believe, understand what had happened, which was quite funny. And then they did have a little a little five-minute period where they really were kind of camped in our half then, playing it round and attacking and attacking. And it wasn't, you know, a big period where they were really dominating. It was only really from that chance... Wally then went off injured, which broke the game up a little bit, and then they they sort of got on top of us big time. We couldn't get out. I think and we were time you know, we, wasted by this point as well, weren't we? Yeah, Bolton looked knackered as well. Um, obviously he's coming back into the team, so his, his fitness is not where it needs to be. And we'll talk about fitness when we talk about the Q and A in a minute, which was interesting. And I felt like we just retreated a little bit, you know, maybe just that five yard step back and did a little bit of the sort of things that traditionally happen when you're trying to see out a game, which is fair enough. I thought the two subs we made, we we brought the shop on, didn't we? And also Angle came on as well for Wally and, uh, after he got injured. Don't think they really. Had, had, had helped us be, you know, there's a few chances we had actually towards the end of the game where we could have gone on better breaks and it got broken down by poor passes. Um, so just a lot of combination of little niggly things kind of ended up them getting on top of it. And and as much as they did score a goal and it went 2 2, and you kind of felt it was coming, the way it happened and the goal, it's it's really it does leave a massive bitter taste in your mouth. Um, um, but I do feel like the game overall was probably a fair draw. Um, maybe people disagree with that um, because of the nature of the second goal, but I think the game overall was pretty even. Yeah, I thought it was interesting, just before we come to the goals, we're kind of going off on that tangent that I had a few Tuesday fans saying, no, we deserve to win. I had some Peterborough fans saying that we deserve to win. Interesting. Um, and then to even throw things even more confused, and when you got the XG numbers came through, um, it was in Peterborough's favour. Yeah, um, yeah. But I think obviously the thing that obviously XG doesn't pick up is those times where we had those block shots or block crosses. Yeah. Um, and I think a, a, a draw was a fair result. Um, yeah, however, um, however, I think you know, looking at the looking at the game in the cold light of day, you know, I think 
we should have got a, you know, I'm not saying we deserved it, but we should have got through all three points. Um, and I've watched it back a few times. It was never, ever a corner. I think yeah. the referee made an assumption that the ball hit Grant. It never did. Um, and then he went flying past loaded players. Lots of Shrewsbury fan, fans. Shrewsbury fans were complaining and the players were complaining. Yeah, they were, yeah. Um, and then they took a, a quick um, corner, ball into the box, was, wasn't cleared successfully. And then whenever it just happens to us, we never get the ball away. The ball was on the ground with like, you know, 10, well, not 10 players, but like five, six players all around it. Um, and it was a scramble and we never seem to win these scrambles uh, and the ball in the back of the net and yeah they were their fans were absolutely delighted and yeah nicked a point in extra time I mean for me it's unfair unlucky that we got the corner given against us it's an absolute it's absolute horror show but you know there are things within the goal and, and the way it was conceded that are you know the things that we could have done better and you know it was interesting in the Q&A that um, someone asked Sam Ricketts about why our players don't like a lot of players who play in League One um, get at the referee and do the dark arts essentially was sort of the, the vibe of the question and, and Sam Ricketts played it quite easy and said look there are things that probably the players can do better in terms of trying to lean on a referee but leaning on a referee the right way um, but you know he want, he doesn't want them to go full Steve Evans or full bloody you know Graham Wesley-esque, you know, Wickham, yeah, he wants them to do it in a, in a reserved and, and well-mannered way that's, that's respectful of the game, which is fine, you know, and I appreciate that. But I did notice when when that corner went out that a lot of our players were straight at the referee, and, and that's good. I suppose fans wanted to see that, but in this circumstance, to me, 100% the goal's been conceded because we did not switch on straight away. They, I think it might have been Tony that ran over to take the corner, it might not have been, um, but he was just aware of what was going on quickly, instantly, and we had Grant... Beckles, obviously he was playing left back I think if you look at the highlights and another couple of players were kind of surrounded the referee and by the time he was taking the corner they were then having to switch back on and they were not in their positions that they'd been in the whole game and we've been really good at defending corners in that game and have been for weeks now and defensively for me um, and so it, it just meant that you just lose that little bit of shape that little bit of organisation at a very very key kind of the game and it's come to, to hit you on the arse really to be honest with you so as much as it was unlucky that we conceded the corner and it shouldn't have been a corner and the referees made a tremendous error you still got to play to the whistle you still got to go to what the referee's decision is um, well it's not even playing to the whistle is it yeah, exactly. on a, my, my point was on I was going to raise actually it's funny you mentioned the whistle it's on a corner you don't have to wait for nope, the whistle exactly. if, it was, if it was a direct free kick and you have to but wait for the whistle yeah. Uh, yeah and exactly and professional footballers you know should have a better concentration and and and, and this mm. kind of it gives, it gives something for the manager to work on obviously we referred all three points but getting a, a point against um, you know an informed Peterborough side and a team a team that's going to be right up there at the end of the season uh, it's not it's not a terrible result um, but we deserve we not deserved we should have got all three points yeah not the worst result I do agree and there's, there's yeah. still positive to take out that game particularly Faye and um, you know potentially the way we, we played in other parts of the game Doherty's performance as well um, the midfield played reasonable again I guess as, as, it's interesting you put in the agenda you want to talk about poor performances and you've named two players that you really didn't think played well yeah I th- one was a lot worse than the other um, so yeah. Beckles I think is just really struggling at left back now um, I think he's being targeted um, he he, ha- you know, a fullback is normally you know a bit shorter um, and a bit pacier because of the position that you're in. Yeah, and often he gets caught trying to turn, um, and he's a bit slow, and you know his distribution going forward isn't all that. Sometimes he gets lucky, or you know he does it does work really well. And he looks you know kind of like you know with his big stride, he kind of makes great ground. But sometimes it like goes out for a throw in or something like it did at Burton. Um, so I think Beckles is struggling a bit, and I think he's you know on most most fans and kind of um, you know transfer want list in terms of a left back. And for me, a player that it's not that he played badly. It wasn't like for me, it's like he played okay, but he could have played so much better. And for me, that was Ollie Norburn. Like several times in the game, he made the wrong choice. So we were doing counter attacks, and um, I can remember one quite clearly where you know there was about two players on his left hand side. Um, and he didn't look over, and he just went. He just basically played in front of him. Mm. But if he'd looked over, we'd have. I reckon we probably, you know, would have had a, a chance on goal. And for me, quite a few times in the game, um, he just kind of seemed to take either an extra touch or just kind of make the wrong choice. Um, and for me, yeah, it was it wasn't overly impressive his performance um, yeah. on on Saturday. I don't know whether you surprised by that or. I mean, I've seen a lot of the recent games. I've not missed many of the last sort of five, ten, I think. And um, for me, I thought Beckles was actually improved on some of those performances. It's not, you know, he's actually played worse than that in some of the recent games. Oh yeah, I'm not saying um, he hasn't played worse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just saying that was highlighting two players. Uh, I'm, I'm being devil's advocate. I'm going to give the other view of it. And I think, you know, it, it's 
it, you know, he didn't cost us anything in that game. Whereas you could say Waterfall kind of made a mistake that cost us a, a goal, and maybe maybe Beckwith is more culpable for the second goal. I, I've looked. I've looked. It's at hard to back. tell. It's, it's it's hard to tell, isn't it? And he was one of the ones that was moaning. But um, you know, he's he's never this season, as far as I'm can see, made goal goal causing mistakes all season. Like we've all commented that he had a good season last year, and he's nowhere near that level. But you know, it's given him a little bit of a benefit of the doubt in that he's still not the one that's scoring own goals or causing too many problems for me. Whereas that some players have been doing that. I agree, he's not. You know, going to be the final answer for us at left back long term. There is a requirement for him to be replaced, um, but I still think he's the sort of player that should have a big role at this football club. I think if that's at centre back, good. I hope he can come in and challenge Sadler and and Waterfall for their positions. And I, you know, I like the guy. He's he's good for a, a, a yeah, he's a good community. Player. He's just not a, a legal yeah, left back. Just just not doing it. And and he is being forced to play there by a lack of proper recruitment by Shrewsbury Town because we played Burton in the um, the Reserve Cup or whatever it is in the week and all the reports I had of people who went there, um, people who I talked to when we recorded the Salop Cat special, I think there was three of them went to watch the game and they were all said, you can you can say what you like about Beckles but he's twice the player that Haynes is at left back and so, you know, he's, he's being forced to play there, he's doing his best week in, week out, his best oh, might not, not be good enough. I'm not criticising, I'm just saying yeah, it's just an yeah. area for improvement. Totally agree, Ollie, and, and he wasn't great all, all across the game yesterday but um, I think that yeah, I, I, someone sort of flagged up on Twitter. They thought he was getting a lot. Beckles has been getting a lot of clog this season, and there was some sort of uh, thing where didn't feel like a lot of it was particularly necessary. I don't really agree with that per se. I probably fall somewhere in between that and the opposite view in that he's just not having a very good season, but he's still trying hard. He's still trying to do what he needs to do. He's playing um, out of position. It's yeah. not a personal thing, is it? No, people just <laughs> people. There seems to be a, a something going around at the moment. I don't know what it is. Is that people are not allowed opinions? <laughs> yeah, um, that's which for sure. Is quite mate. funny. Yeah. Oh well, there we go. And and Norburn, I agree with you. I've said it over the last few weeks that sometimes he's the one of the four midfielders that disappears out of the game the most. Um, and I would say of all four midfielders in the game this week, he he was certainly um, the least noticeable. Doherty, Sean, uh, Laurent did did his work and then was was a bit more dynamic. Grant, I thought did well. He was playing against Old Club. Did did big tackles when he needed to do them. But yeah, Norburn can be a bit in and out. But I, st- I still quite like him as a player. So I think yeah, that's a fair, fair comment. For me, they, just I just noted throughout the game, he happened quite a few times. But yes. yeah, talking of um, player performances, who did you go for your top three? Oh, it was obviously wasn't it Doherty was a clearly man yeah, of the match for me on, on Saturday and pretty much everybody voted for him I think in the, in the sports clubs and um, yeah we've talked about his drive in the game but it's just his overall play and, and his, his strength his ability um, and yeah it's sad that Rangers are going to recall him in January because I think it's going to happen so Christ knows what we do then but um, yeah for me then after that I went for Sadler um, obviously we haven't talked about Sadler yet but massive milestone from our Saturday 500 league games or I think it was 500 games yep. in his career and 200 for Shrewsbury Town which is, a, which is mad really and I think I think it's since we got to the new there's only Langmead has played more games now I'd have to go back and check my stats but I'm pretty sure that's right so you know he's, he's up there as, as one of the most uh, sort of loyal and consistent players we've had for, for a generation which is fantastic and thought you know with a lot more pressure on him obviously people wanted to watch him at that sort of milestone he had a really solid game at the back he won his headers I thought that Waterfall and Sadler were really good in the air again you know every ball they played into the box they really won a lot of headers on Saturday so I gave it Sadler really because of the Waterfall issue for the first goal and also because of um, the fact it was, a, it was a milestone day for him so second for Sadler and I went Third Faye. Um he was offside a lot again, um, but for the class of the goal and, and the and the uh, occupy Harry occupies the centre backs and, and makes them never sort of the ability to switch off. I gave him third place. Cool, um, obvious who got first. Um, yeah, and then second I went for Holloway. I thought he put another shift in. Um, he gets quite a lot of flat because he doesn't, you know, he doesn't score as many goals, um, and he doesn't, you know, he's not that flamboyant. But for me, he's he's integral to how we play this formation. Mm. Um, he does a lot of work. Um, he does a lot of work pressing. He does a lot of work, a lot of, lot of miles. Um, and he also does a great job holding the ball up. Um, and yeah, obviously he hasn't scored, uh, you know, in a few games now. But for me, he's doing a great job. Um, I've kind of really struggled to kind of highlight anyone else mm. um, above that. There's a lot of people kind of kind of similar kind of brackets in terms of played okay-ish, yeah. um, but not like super performances. Yeah. Um, and then um, and then I went for Faye finally because um, yeah. I thought he just yeah, had a obviously another good game and obviously scored again. So. Yeah, yeah, they're my they're yeah. my top three. Fair, fair. Um, through match reports, then Ollie. So there's a lot of um, comments about um, the corner. <laughs> um, <laughs> so yeah, saying the ref, um, ref. So Tim saying the ref robbed us. Johnny saying not a corner. Um, Ken- Kenneth from Sweden saying wins will come, which is a very similar comment to actually Aid said virtually the same thing. Actually, wins will come. Um, yeah, Aplem said it will come. Um, so yeah, so um, Keith Alexander awful referee again. Lee saying three points lost. Um, Ian saying always a ref's fault um, Glenn Young saying not much improvement um, Colin saying so-so um, and yeah uh, and then Colin saying it was well cold 
Because it was it pretty damn was. freezing. <laughs> it was pretty damn freezing. So I think yeah, most most of the three word batch reports are kind of focused on um, the, the the last obviously few minutes of the game with the corner being mm. given when it shouldn't have been. Yeah. Um, so yeah, and then in terms of um, Sam, Sam Ricketts' comments, he said it should have been three points. It's disappointing not to have all three points. It was a highly debatable if it was a corner, um, but then he was quite on cue in terms of saying, cannot waste time complaining with the keeper. Sorry, complaining with the referee. Yes. Um, overall, yep. good point against one of the best in the league. Overall, the performance was okay. So that was quite interesting. Um, we got into really good areas four or five times, which was really frustrating, which is quite pleased me, actually. Um, I watched, obviously, when I listened back to the Burton comments, I thought he was being a little bit generous. Yeah, we said that last week. So I was really fascinated to see kind of what position he would take for these, for the comments after this game. And I was really pleased that he was, he wasn't, you know, he didn't kind of sugarcoat anything. Um, He was, I thought he was really balanced and also highlighted a few things that I thought. So for me, getting into those, those areas, too many times we got into the box, went to cross the ball or shoot and it went out for a corner or deflection, um, which is a bit frustrating. Uh, And then he said, we need to make sure we stop giving away soft goals. We can't give away cheap goals away. Uh, you know, could be giving them two soft goals. There's a lot of discussion with um, all the different people in the media about the soft goals. Um, he mentioned the fans were excellent, uh, and then unfortunately he had to kind of share the news that um, Wally felt his hamstring, and that's why he came off. Which is a different injury to what he's previously had, isn't yeah. it? So it's one of those things where you, sometimes you tend to get that where players have been out with one injury and they've not been, you know, sprinting and doing all their games. They obviously, build them up back up to it. But sometimes you can get those muscular injuries straight after another injury, can't you? And real shame for Wally because he's obviously. Battled his way back after a lot, quite a long period, really. I suppose this season, and um, probably he's going to be out for just as long as he was uh, the time before. Really, so I, I can't imagine we'll see him during the Christmas period. And you've got to hope that he gets back sort of January, February time, and can maybe have an influence on the season. But really, now with these two injuries, his his contribution to the season is going to be pretty minimal by the time we get to the end of it, isn't it? Yeah, I'm hoping it's just a slight strain. Um, yeah, who after, knows, as you I say, suppose. you know, you get yeah, you get you get all sorts of different muscle injuries, don't you, when you try and yep. come back? And he seemed quite, you know, in quite good spirits. Um, mm, I heard good. He played, so yeah, he played quite well. I thought so. Fingers crossed, he'll be okay. Um, so, so yeah, so a point at home um, against a very good side, um, not the, the end of the world. Um, I think the game we remembered for phase tight angle and being absolutely freezing. An awful free kick. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think um, anyone will remember that. I think you might remember it, Glenn. I don't think anyone else will. I had laughed that long for a long time, to be honest. It was really funny. I was um, laughing but, as well. I, I was laughing quite loudly at that one as well. But. It was brilliant. But um, yeah, but no, you're right. And I think that, you know, we've got, obviously got Coventry next up, haven't we, at home? A real game you really would like to see us get a win, and, and just for not just for the fact in the league and, and where we're headed, but also because you want to see Ricketts get that off his back early doors, really. So yeah, you know, three games into his reign, two league games, nothing really to panic about yet. So um, sort of keeps our, our gap to the bottom bottom of the table okay doesn't it because of the, some of the results down there so yeah no panic and um yeah we'll move on to start news now Manuel Doherty gets it now sees the gap goes for it ambitious run wonderful hit 2-0 what a goal what an FA Cup moment for Greg Doherty so, Salop News, uh, I think it was Thursday night, wasn't it? Oh, God, it's been a very busy week was this week, Wednesday? Ollie. But Wednesday? Could have been Wednesday. I have no idea, to be honest with you. Um, but one night this week, I remember leaving the house and going to the uh, Town Football Club for a Q&A, although I got there late, um, but that's a whole other question. Um, and, yeah, it was the first chance for Sam Ricketts to meet Town fans, really, in, the, in a sort of more uh, informal setting, I suppose, where people can ask him questions, like they always do on Radio Shropshire. Um, so I, I got in there, and they'd, they'd done the first question, really, and um, they were talking about uh, sort of bits and pieces but I think one of the questions I, I missed up the front was they talked about the link between um, Sam Ricketts, uh, Eric Ramsey, Coyne, the, the sort of links they've all got from their careers or, or I believe that obviously Sam Ricketts did his pro licence with um, Eric Ramsey. They're doing so, it together. He said he's yeah, doing yeah. it together so they haven't actually got it. Um, so I thought Eric had done oh, okay, it. Fair yeah. enough. So they said they were doing it together. So yeah, I guess I can cover the start because you missed it. Yeah, I wasn't there. So yeah. I watched it back <laughs> um, and you can cover the end. So. Go on then. Um, so yeah, so maybe you can come to what the general atmosphere was at the end as well, Glenn. I think that's yes, I will, yeah. something that I obviously I couldn't gather from watching it. So it was certainly more um, insane than John Askey's Q and A. Let's start with that. <laughs> yeah. So um, so yeah, so basically, um, you know, were, were there's a question about whether the team was fit, um, and this and the and there were quite quite interesting answers. Said that there's a lot of the club has a lot of data and what is needed to be successful. And then he mentioned that you know Eric and um, Danny Coyne had been working on them hard, so clearly the data wasn't good enough. He then he did allude that yes, the squad is too big. Um, and then there was someone asked a really good question about um, you know what has changed, why was the team more successful under Danny Coyne? 
Um, and Danny Coyne mentioned that um, there was you know standards in training improved, performance improved, rules were adhered to. Yeah, so interesting. That, yeah, I that was a very interesting yeah. comment. You know, the players had to work hard. And the, the big difference was the detail and also the animated coaching sessions from Eric. And then the fitness going back to what would work and the atmosphere improve. So, well, see, we don't want to keep going back to the ASCII era, but there was a few interesting tidbits there from Danny Coyne. And for me, um, you know, the fact that the rules were adhered to, kind of, we can now talk about, we heard rumours that, you know, the discipline around the, the training ground kind of yeah. dropped. Yeah. And it just sounds like, for me, um, that, you know, linking all these different comments we've got now over the last few weeks, that kind of the club went a bit backwards in terms of how it was managed. In terms of, you know, we went away from the analyst, analyst kind of detail, we went away from kind of tracking players' data, and we went away from having a very disciplined kind of training ground. And it sounds like all those things that were, you know, elements to the... Sam Ricketts said, it's quite interesting, he said, you know, like, but in his, one of his first interviews that, you know, you can add, every, when you add everything up, you know, being fit, you know, doing the right, you know, having the right attention to detail, being fit, you know, sharing the details, you know, all those elements over course season will add up. And for yeah. me, that was what was missing under the ASCII era. And it's interesting that obviously the new management team, and they are a team, it seems, isn't it? You've got two first-team coaches and a first-team manager, um, are kind of going back to what was successful for us last season. It definitely feels like a, re- a revision to the strategy that worked under Paul Hurst. And how much of an influence Danny Coyne and Eric Ramsey had at that point in time on, on what was going on last season is debatable, I guess, obviously. Because but obviously, obviously they had... saw the, the output but of it, didn't they? 100%. And they, they said, we've gone back to knowing what we worked. And that was specifically when someone asked the question about fitness. And they said fitness. Yeah. What they actually said fitness wasn't where it needs to be. And then as soon as they got in charge, they've obviously worked on trying to get that back to where it needs to be. And we're probably still not there yet. But they said we went on when it came no. to fitness. We've gone back to what we knew worked. So obviously the intensity in training's gone up. They've been, you say worked harder. Um, they've they've had more animated coaching sessions, which I thought was a really interesting question because I just always saw John Askey standing there static. Do you know what I mean? It, the whole thing about yeah. John Askey seemed static. The whole and, and some of the things that came out of what they said in this Q and A, um, not really Ricketts to be honest with you, it was more. more Coyne and Ramsey backed up what a lot of fans were saying about the team this year and how they were coming across. So I thought it was really interesting that um, that, that was one of the confirmation things, really. But to, so, to me, Mike, Mike, go on. Yeah, I was going to ask, I was going to kind of, um, it was all going really nice. Everyone was asking nice questions. And then this guy <laughs> called Glenn Price asked a bit of a controversial question and kind of lowered the tone. It's funny, I had a reason for asking it. but uh, I know, it was a genuine and, question, but I'm just yeah. pulling your leg. Because we did um, we did a, the, the Saddle Cats Christmas special on Tuesday night and we were doing the 2003-2004 conference season and one of the th- topics we got to discuss him was the link with Sam Ricketts because he obviously played for Telford in those in those games and we were talking about probably the, the negative thing about that season was the fact that we couldn't beat Telford across four games, um, which was horrible. Um, and so I thought, well, why not ask him the question? Because there was always rumours back then that you had the chance to come to Shrewsbury when we signed Ricketts and I've forgotten someone else. It was not Ricketts, sorry, um, Trevor Chalice and... Dean, was it Whitehead? Maybe I can't remember. If we did say, um, but he—it was a rumor that he had the chance, and so I thought I'll ask the question, see whether the rumor was true. And he was—he was pretty honest and said, "Yeah, he had the chance to come to Shrewsbury, but he stayed at Telford that season, despite what was going on. The fact he might not get paid, and we were looking like it might go up. Out of loyalty to their manager Mick Jones at that time, um, he said he was a young player who'd been given a chance by him, and he, he felt a, a degree of loyalty to him. So I thought it was a really good answer to that question, really, in terms of, of why he didn't want to come to, to Shrewsbury. And um, yeah, you know, if that's the loyalty he's displayed there, I hope he's displaying that loyalty to us down the line. It'll be it'd be good if he's, if he's a sort of man of his word really and I have no reason to suspect he isn't so we'll see won't we yep so that was good yep. so yeah so I, that was about where I got to in terms of watching it so <laughs> well someone else oh actually asked sorry to, yeah I did actually hear this one so you go for this it this is brilliant someone said to him there was there was a quite I'll go for the funny ones really first person um, asked a question about will he always clap the fans uh, will, he, will he clap the fans and he just always said always and he said I'm, I will always clap fans and I'm very appreciative of being here and everyone was sort of laughing and great another great answer to that question um, then I was sitting next to Dave Matas the other fans he and he, he asked if it was okay for us to chant about our manager hating our rivals considering that he's either played or managed most of them and he sort of <laughs> took that again really well it's like kind of he had some really good answers and was, was quite a passionate bloke came across quite passionate and also quite funny as well so um, he was he was really sort of enjoying the kind of sort of funnier he questions hold think, anything too li- he no. didn't hold anything too too tight did he, he held anything quite lightly no. When he talks about football, just to go aside from the sort of funny things, when he talks about football, he was very, um, there's clearly a process and a plan there. And he kept using the word process a lot, actually. I don't know if you picked up on that. Yeah, that was a really good interview. That was a really good question because someone asked him where, why, what made him want to be a manager. And he was saying, wasn't he, there was a, basically a coach when he was at Wales um, and he was basically talking about a process. And he said that 
he couldn't understand, you know, so he would play exactly the same against one team and we'd be winning. And the manager would be, you know, happy, giving everyone cups of tea, kind of stroke of strength, patting them on the head. Well done, lads. And then another game, they were playing exactly the same thing, doing exactly the same kind of way of playing. And they'll be losing, the manager will be losing, losing his rag. And he says the first time he thought he could maybe be a manager was when there was a, a coach from Wales who I think was a Finnish guy. The name, the name sounded Nordic. And he was saying yes. it's about a process and about options. Um, and yeah, it shows that he is a modern manager. Um, and yeah, that's what you're alluding to there. It was, it, was, it was a really interesting answer, wasn't it, about the process of football. And that's one of the things that, you know, sometimes, you know, one of the things that I think is kind of, you know, as a football fan, you don't see is, you know, football is becoming, is, has become over the last kind of 10 years, a lot more about set plays and set movements and set runs and set passes. Yeah, it is. And, and it's interesting that the thing I took away from it was the thing that Chris Hudson has been constantly telling us via social media, obviously he worked for Telford and interviewed him even when he was a young player about how studied he was of the game and how considered he was and the information he was taking from elsewhere. And it was quite clear that that's a very, very astute observation by Chris. And that's exactly what he's like. It's exactly what he came across like. And he, he mentioned managers he takes a lot from and you mentioned yeah there was the Nordic guy I can't remember his name now but you also mentioned my man who I wanted at one point Kenny Jacket so maybe I've got mini Kenny Jacket in now Ollie that's that's good to say <laughs> so he said he learned a lot from Kenny Jacket and also a lot from Phil Brown when obviously they were in the premiership uh, yeah. hull wasn't it so yeah he's obviously taken what he could during the course of his career and um, and that was interesting one of the other interesting things I found was that Eric Ramsey when he was asked a similar question said that he you know was taken a lot of influence and inspiration from the work that Brendan Rodgers did at Swansea and I believe that Eric Ramsey was there as, a, as he's a young man now but as an even younger kid he was at Swansea for a period so interesting that we're trying to you know it seems like these these three blokes are trying to take the best of what they've learned across their career so far and try and mold it into their own process which will probably be something of an amalgamation of everything they've learned and and they'll stick to that I think and that's obviously what Hurst did he had a plan we stuck to it week in week out I think we'll kind of go back to that approach really that was my takeaway from it but my other takeaway was it's almost it is a complete management team that we've got now it's 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 all well and good saying Sam Ricketts is the manager but it does feel and a lot like... He'll make the calls. He'll he will make, make the calls. calls. He's the figurehead. Yeah, he'll live and die by those. He will. And he'll be the one that gets in trouble if it doesn't go right. But, you know, I think there's a very collective responsibility for what's going on now. And they're going to work more closely together more, maybe than other, other sorts of teams of management teams that we've had. It seems like there's a real bond there, um, which which I think is a good thing. I think that's a, something positive for the football club. So, um, Definitely. That was good. You know, you've got, you got, you know, you got three sets of eyes who can all yep. see different things in a game, um, different opinions, different approaches, different mm. experience as well. Obviously, Danny Coyne being a goalkeeper is going to have his own approach. Um, and also Eric Ramsey coming from a completely different angle, though he played football, didn't he? Um, a kind of, I don't know, was it an amateur level? Or did he play for someone at the age of eighteen that he decided he played to be a coach? In, He played in the league of Wales, which was interesting because he, he said he'd, okay. he'd never played the game, but he had actually played in Wales. Yeah. So obviously, the, the standard of football in Wales is so insignificant that he doesn't consider that he was a football player, which seems a bit weird. I think he, he did actually play pro, pro in England in the football <laughs> exactly, league. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, he didn't play, but um, he's very well spoken, Eric Ramsey. Yeah, he's got quite he a, quite a low. Uh, toned voice so he's very like uh, his voice is kind of a voice you listen to but it's also got a very posh edge to it so yeah I can see why he's the sort of person that you can go out on a training pitch and he can bark out instructions and he's got a very you know sort of sort of you know voice you want to salute to and do whatever he tells you sort of thing so I thought it was quite interesting but he came across really well as well and Danny Coyne came across as, as more of the joker of the three so there's obviously like quite a like a little mixture of, of characters in there as well which is interesting so it'd be interesting good. and also it's good it means that there's going to be different people that the staff the players can go to um, you know you can be you know if you're a bit younger you might want to talk to Eric if you're a bit more of a senior pro you might want to talk to Danny Coyne so that's quite an interesting element they're, they're um, approachable as well like the other thing I was going to mention is that during the last few Q&As question answer question answer during this exchange there was a, there was at least twice where we had a question and, and Ricketts got the microphone and actually asked the fan for their opinion I was like bloody yeah, hell <laughs> he did <laughs> this I, I, this quite nice. it shows a lot of confidence in himself um, that he was prepared to you know ask what you thought and yeah there was a, a bit of debate wasn't about what was why the team was improving which is quite fun so what was the kind of ambiance around the place what was the kind of the chatter and what was the kind of the like the, the comments of the fans after but also positive. what was the kind of the atmosphere yeah it was a positive night really positive um it, it was an, i say after we went off air there was a lot of other questions then so there was questions about dave edwards and whether he would be coming back and he jokingly said unless oh, they yeah, win the lottery to mention that yeah there was and, a, on the um totally football show football league edition um, Dave Edwards was on there and he basically said yeah I'd come back to Shrewsbury like, <laughs> he said he'd genuinely would, he would he'd like to do it and if it all but he just said it can be a bit complex and so they yeah. talked about that as well did they he talked about that. He said, "I'm just going to keep doing the lottery and hope I win it, and then we'll be able to afford Dave Edwards." And he said, "So at the moment, no, it's not a possibility." And Brian but, mentioned it as well, didn't he? That you yes. have to take a wage drop. 
Yeah, he'd have to take a wage drop. But interestingly, there's an article gone on one of the football websites today, and it's Dave Edwards did an interview with one of the local Reading press. So he's been out with a knee injury all this season. He hasn't played any football particularly. He's got six months left on his contract, and they asked about what was going on. And um, he said, I've had my conversation with the director of football, Gianluca Nani, who has now subsequently left about my, what my plans might be. We've got a very big squad, and although that sounds good in some respects for depth with injuries, it can be counterproductive at times when you've got loads of lads who aren't playing and believe they can, so it can be difficult. The club have already come out with former manager uh, Paul Clement saying they need to reduce the size of the squad, particularly in January. And then he, Dave Edwards then said, with me having six months on my contract, looking from the outside, I would seem an obvious one who might be sent out on loan or to look elsewhere. I still feel I've got to have the club. I'm enjoying my training at the moment. I'll work my hardest to come back in the team in January. Otherwise, I'll, if I'm told to go out in January, I will. Otherwise, I'll do what I'm to do. So... Interesting that he's now, you know, saying things about, you know, I've got to be thinking about my career. There's potential that they either send me out on loan or I'll have to look elsewhere. So I think that for me, it's the, the, the steps towards Dave Edwards coming back to either be part of the squad initially, which I think would be. I don't think he'd come and join that management team yet. Um, but for him to come and play these last six months of his career at football at Shrewsbury, I think he's getting closer and closer. And I'd say it's it's odds on that it'll happen personally. Um, I think that there's there's enough things that could happen to get that deal done. So on yeah, loan we'll maybe with we... Red Reading probably paying a big contribution to his wage and with us probably contributing to it. Exactly, because if anyone else comes in for loan for Dave Edwards, unless it's a really really good opportunity to go and play, say Norwich wanted some backup and they're really pushing to go into the Premiership. He wants to play first wanted... team football, doesn't he? Yeah. Exactly. So, you know, Ricketts is saying, come here, play every week. That would be He's brilliant, wouldn't it, to see him so, play again. That was an interesting question And, and well, he mentioned yeah. the away supporters on the interview with um, Totally Football Show. Yes. So, yeah, he, yeah. Said, he always mentioned He's that. He's a good lad, be good to see him. And it wasn't nice the way that he was, got dropped by Gary Peters on the playoff final. So, it'd be great to see him in a town shirt again. I'm sure all town fans have read his autobiography, but it really is worth the read. I haven't read that. it. I'd give up after the bit against the Wolves. It's a bit Wolves heavy now. <laughs> <laughs> cool. So, what was the general ambience then, Glenn? Was it good? Yeah, so I went off a tangent. Yeah, it was really good. Everyone really enjoyed the night and um, sat by a few of the sort of, sat by Rob Fox, who's been on the podcast there, Matthias, Sean Evans was there, who's been on the podcast, um, bumped into Roger Grove. So sort of a group of few, few people that sort of we know through the podcast and also a bunch of other town fans actually that you don't know either, Ollie, who I've known over the years. And yeah, we came across really well and everyone was basically like, he walks the walk, you know. We came away from ASCII saying, mate, it's, this is a bit dull and not too sure about this. And there were reservations, you know, you can't judge what kind of manager ASCII was going to be on that Q&A, but you came away not feeling over enamoured by some of the stuff you heard oh, we didn't I overplay that at the time no, did we no, you we didn't, didn't say didn't. too much about it cause... it became apparent as the time moved on that, that that was a an indication of where we were heading I suppose but yeah for me I left feeling the opposite I feel, felt quite uh, invigorated and I think most people did and, and it's all well and good but you still have that thing at the back of your mind that he can talk the talk that's for sure he really came across as a, a studied and interested person in football and, and wanting to do his process but he's got to walk the walk hasn't he and um, it's too early to judge obviously we, we always talk about this 10-15 games of what's gone on we can start to judge where the team's headed one of the interesting things he said was you haven't seen my team yet and that's fair you know we're still playing the same but we were under Coyne and Ramsey no real change in personnel no real change in formation so at some point he's going to have to bite the bullet and start to put his stamp on the team a little bit more um, so that's to come isn't it but yeah overall the whole thing was very very uh, very nice night out very interesting cool so looking ahead so we've got um, let's do the predictions now and close this off yeah. I reckon um, so next Saturday Coventry, which is an interesting tie, um, and yeah, at home, so maybe maybe opportunity for him to make a few changes. Um, Coventry are thirteenth in the league; um, they're just a, they're just a few points ahead of us. Um, they lost at home two one to Luton Town, which is no surprise. Luton are a very good team, um, and yeah, their recent results: um, they lost to Warsaw two one, they lost to Fleetwood three 0 and they drew one all uh, with Peterborough. So they're not on a great run of form. Um, and I just wanted to check one of the things, the beauty of the internet. Um, their lineup, um, Brown was starting, um, but yeah, no, go, 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 go was yeah. on the bench. Yep, and, and no, Grim no was playing right back. Yeah, no go for a go go. Brown's been in the team regularly for the last four or five weeks, I think, but a go go's getting nowhere near it. So they all hate a go go. They really, he's getting no. Yeah, all the Cov fans that really hate him. If you go on one of their message boards and look at threads about him, just a waste of space. Don't know why we brought him in. He's no he good. Wasn't even good. in the yeah. He was yeah. on the bench again um, when they played Warsaw. He's not well liked. So yeah, <laughs> we, I'd like to have said if things were going that bad, we could just keep him when he comes here. But actually, you know, him and Grant, uh, he's not much different. So we'll keep Grant. Um, but there we go. So predictions then, I guess. Ollie, um, do you want me to go first as usual? Yeah, go ahead. Uh, I reckon we'll win two 0 Okay, cool. Um, I will go. Um, I'll go for a a three one win. Oh, goals, goals, goals. Yeah. Be fun. All right. 
Well, there we go. Both going to win again. Happy <laughs> yeah, days. Three um, one. Yeah. So I think I think the back time we scored a few goals. Um, I think you know opportunity we could have scored more on the weekend again against a Peterborough side, which obviously a better side than Coventry. So yeah, I don't. I still think that our defence needs some work. Um, and as we get closer to January, we can have some good discussion about the January transfer window because it'd be fascinating to get Ricketts we real are. thoughts on that. Um, but. Yeah, another week in the season, a point, not the end of the world. And we're kind of just staying away from the relegation zone at the moment. We're 17th um, and we are seven points away from Bristol Rovers, who are 21st. So I said, yeah, it'd be interesting tie and obviously maybe a bit a bit of local banter as well with Coventry. I can't remember the last time we played them at home in the league. It seems a while ago. Uh, must have been towards the start of last season, wasn't it, I think? Oh, no, they, they went in our they league last year, were no. they? So, yeah, I don't know. It's got to be at least two or three years, isn't it? But, um, yeah, I don't know. Um yeah, it's gonna be gonna be an interesting week again, hopefully. And it's nice for Rick, Rick is to have a whole week working with the players this week. I think that was another important thing he said. So I think you're right. As long as we're keeping our head above the water, give him give him a chance to settle in and then start to turn things around. And, and yeah, well, we'll have to see where it goes. Really, I think the only other bit of admin we've got is, as I said, we recorded the Christmas special um, at the pub at the Prince of Wales on. Um, uh, Tuesday night so I've got that to get that to edit and we've got a little bit of topping and tailing to do on that so in terms of what will be coming out over Christmas we certainly will have that Christmas episode out now so that's that's confirmed but um, quite what we do for the, the other games we'll, we'll, we'll take a judgement on that as yep. we go won't we Ollie and we know we'll we've got a Saturday those, figure those ones out yeah, we've got a Saturday next week and a Sunday to, to do a normal podcast and then we'll see what happens but um, yeah cheers for the sport as usual and uh, yeah uh, upwards and onwards <laughs> catch you next week yep. cheers guys thanks for listening